So I invite you to hear the Word of God, Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And this is God's Word. Well, names are very important in the Bible. Very important. And and so much so that throughout the Bible, God often uses names to reveal his purposes. And here, the baby boy is given two names, the name Jesus and the name Emmanuel. Jesus and Emmanuel. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a few minutes to briefly consider these two names as we prepare our hearts more and more for this season and as we prepare to come to the Lord's table together. And so first, let's talk about the name Emmanuel which means God with us. Now, as you can see in our, in our passage, it, it begins, verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And if you, if you pay close enough attention, if you hear what's really being said, then you realize that this is as much about the conception of Jesus, the virgin conception of Jesus, as it is about his actual birth. Okay, it's about the eternal Son of God becoming a human being. Because we see that it's the Holy Spirit who forms this human baby in the womb of the Virgin. Pastor and Professor Dan Doriani notes, Matthew's account describes more than a birth. In fact, the Greek word translated birth in verse 18 is not the ordinary word for birth at all. To translate more literally, Matthew says the origin of Jesus Christ was like this. Matthew wrote his account so that all may know the origin and conception of this virgin-born child. And further, the birth of Jesus, taking a look at verses 22 and 23, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. The prophet Isaiah, who we've heard from already this morning, and who said here, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so what we have here, simply put, is this. God entered our story. The God of the universe, the creator of all things, all things seen and unseen, all things small and large, the God who created all things entered our story. God came near. God came here. The divine entered our human story as a human being. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, some of you know that I love the Jesus Storybook Bible, and I know that's a favorite for many of you as well. And I love it because it's not only a children's Bible, but it really is deep, rich theology uh, for adults. And so one of the things that I like is Sally Lloyd-Jones has a a beautiful, she paints a beautiful picture with words about the incarnation. And this is what she says. The God who flung planets into space and keeps them even now whirling around and around. The God who made the vast universe with just one word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. God was coming to us, coming to rescue the world. That's right. He entered our story. You know, it's the very thing that we profess in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. It's the heart of Christmas, the incarnation, God becoming man, fully God, fully man. God coming to us, God with us. He entered our story as one of us to stand with us so that we might know him. And so in the name Emmanuel, what we see is we see who he is. And who is he? He is God with us. And then in the name Jesus, we see what he does. And what does he do? He saves us. So the second name, uh, Jesus, which means God saves. Well, and as we can see in our passage, uh, God speaks through this angel, uh, telling Joseph that the child is going to be a boy, that his name is going to be Jesus, and and then says why that's going to be his name. We see it in verse 21. The angel says, she will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, some of you will have this uh, footnoted in your Bible. It's not in all of them, but, but Jesus, as you can see, if it's footnoted, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which literally means the Lord saves. Okay, but the word Lord is in small caps. And as as we've talked about before, anytime we we encounter the word Lord in small caps, it is referring to the personal name of God. 
Okay, so not just speaking of God in a generic way, but speaking in a very personal way. And the the point is that as we read the Christmas story, as we go through the Christmas story, we are reminded that we are not talking about some far-off, distant deity. But we are talking about an up-close and personal God who gets up-close and personal with us so that we might know Him, so that we might be saved by Him. Now, throughout Scripture, we do see that God saves and, and delivers his people in, in, in a whole host of ways. He gives food to the hungry. He heals the sick. He comforts the brokenhearted. He sets the prisoner free, just to name a few. In fact, in that day, many of the people had hoped that the Messiah would set them free, but only in the sense of bringing about military conquest. At least that's what they wanted more than anything else, to rescue them from their Roman oppressors with very little regard at times for their greatest need. But aren't we just like that so much of the time? I mean, similarly, isn't that often the way that we are are looking at it too, to, to merely be delivered from our present circumstance? Whatever hard thing we're dealing with, and oftentimes with very little regard for our greatest need. Well, the angel declares God's agenda, not ours. And Doriani puts it this way. Jesus will not save his people from physical enemies, at least not yet. First and fundamentally, it says that he will save his people from their sins. Because you see, sin is the root of all other calamities. Yes, calamity comes from many sources, accidents, forgetfulness, disease, for example. But the root cause of all disorder is sin. And the greatest disorder is to be at odds with God. Jesus will save his people from that. The words of theologian Michael Green. So here at the announcement of Jesus' birth, we are brought face to face with the central theme of the gospel. The God who has been at work among his people since the time of Abraham has now come among them in person. And he has come for the specific purpose of rescuing them from the horrific mess that they have gotten themselves into. You see, Christianity is not good advice about morals and what you should do. Rather, it's the good news about God and what he has already done for us. It's about God and what he has already done. You see, God entered our story to rescue us, to destroy sin and death by dying on the cross in our place And why? So that we might be made new, be given new life and new relationship with him forever. And so at Christmas, at Christmas we don't just look to the cradle, we also look to the cross. And what do we see? 
Well, at the cradle, we see Emmanuel, God with us. And at the cross, we see Jesus, the God who saves. You see, it's the incarnation for the purpose of salvation. And as Linus reminds us, that's what Christmas is all about. That's what Christmas is all about. Well, what Christmas is all about is seen not only in those two names, but also seen and even experienced here at this table, the Lord's table. Because you see, the Lord's Supper stirs up faith in our hearts. In a sense, it reawakens us to the truth. The truth that God is real and that salvation is real. Just as real as the elements on this table. Elements that in just a moment, you are going to be able to take and hold, to see, touch, smell, and taste. Just as real and really even more real than that. Up close and personal. As J.I. Packer said, just as the preaching of the word makes the gospel audible, so the sacraments make it visible and tangible, and God stirs up faith by both means. And so here we are spiritually fed by our Lord in a very visible and tangible way. Here, the God who is with us, the God who saves, he makes himself known very personally to his people. And so that means that this table is for his people. It is for those who have looked to Jesus by faith for the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. And so if that describes you, and you are a part of a local church that proclaims this gospel, then this meal is for you. And the God who came near, the God who is with us, Jesus says to you, come, take, and eat. Come, taste, and see.